And Brett Angel, welcome to Stockport County Live. I've got to say, it's a it's a personal honour um, uh, for myself to invite you onto the show. One of my favourite players growing up. Plenty of memories to speak about, uh, in particular as uh, as time goes on. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Obviously, uh, pre COVID now, and uh, we we seem to be a little bit further down the path than yourself in the uh, regards uh, dealing with it. But uh, yeah, so it's sort of uh, back to near normality as can be expected. Well, we just had a quick chat there before we before we came on air. Just tell us a little bit about where you are in the world and what the situation has been for the last couple of months. Uh, basically, in New Zealand, we've been in, like every country, in uh, lockdown. So we've not been able to actually get out of the confines of basically our own house and uh, what have you. So... Uh, and that's been for the last sort of probably uh, two, two and a half months. Um, it's been in that situation with the last sort of two to three weeks suddenly going from sort of lot was level um, level four to sort of level one fairly quickly in the last sort of uh, month or so of, of doing it. But we've not had an active case for over over three weeks uh, in in the country. And the only difference now is that the borders are closed for people returning or, or realistically uh, very little movement coming into the country. And that's the only difference in relation to people going back to work and everything else. Uh, sport is both community and professionally back being played in the country. And uh, that's all sort of happened over the course of uh, last weekend. And am I right in saying that you work in sport these days? So, I mean, that's that's probably good news for you personally, that, that sport, both community and professional, is, is back up and running. Yeah, well, I was working in sport uh, up until uh, pre-COVID, really. But uh, COVID has actually uh, sort of made life a little bit more difficult in relation to that. Right. So uh, I'm sort of working through. Uh, I was due to go over to Australia and uh, start a new position over there but because of uh, as we say covid and the situation there uh, that's likely to be now uh, a little bit uh, more later than uh, than sooner uh, so prior to uh, covid coming in i was due to go over and uh, start a new position over in uh, northern new south wales football federation but unfortunately that's not uh, transcribed as quickly as what we'd have ideally liked it to have done so uh, we're still working through our sort of uh, current status here I'm due to actually start during the lockdown I did actually do a real estate agent license and managed to pass that out so I'm just uh, in the throes of probably uh, next week starting that uh, as a as a new uh, sideline so to speak. Right well um, just just a quick topic on 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 the, the sport then to you mentioned crowds coming back in. Is that how's that been taken over there? Because that's obviously a big, that's a huge thing over here. We, we've got so many talking points for why crowds should or shouldn't be allowed back up. How's that gone down? Are people just accepting it, or is, is there been any pushback? Well, we've not had an active case of three weeks, so there's the difference. I think in yeah. regards that uh, people were sort of saying, "Well, why are we still in sort of lockdown when we've not had actually an a active case for for so long?" So I think in relation to, you know, allowing crowds back in, because yeah. there's not been an active case, I think we've been in a lot different position to back in England, where obviously there are 
a lot of active cases still going on and a lot of deaths uh, happening uh, still, you know. Uh, yeah. And so therefore then you can really understand that until you're, I suppose, into that the situation where New Zealand finds itself, which, uh, yeah, nobody really knows how long that's likely to be in England. But things did happen very quickly for us over here as well. So if it's sort of the same timelines, it could be that uh, by sort of uh, September, October, you know, yeah, yeah. there may be that situation that uh, crowds can return if there are no real active cases. Um, it goes without saying, you obviously keep a close eye on what's going on in England. Do you still have roots back home here? Do you, do you still have friends and family that you, you're speaking to? Yes, obviously still very much uh, involved in, in relation to keeping the finger on the pulse of what's what's going on with, uh, you know, everybody and their family and everything else. And obviously football-wise, following uh, all of the former clubs and how they're doing and how they're progressing. Well, that, that brings us nicely into football and, and how the, the clubs are progressing, in particular the one that we're here for today, Stockport County. You'll have seen a uh, successful season last season, uh, or whether you can call it last season or the season before now, I'm, I'm still not 100%, but um, County winning the National League North, they, they claim the title there. Your former teammate, Jim Gannon, at the helm. Uh, how much do you know about what was going on last season? Were you, were you able to keep an eye on that and maybe even speak to Jim at any point? Yeah, I've not touched base with Jim for for many years, but obviously I've followed the uh, the trials and tribulations, I suppose, since yeah. since uh, not you know not being involved in the you know uh, English league and everything. And it seems as though sort of uh, it's taken an awful long time to get back to sort of what many fans could term normality but I suppose it's over a generation of fans that realistically wouldn't really know completely what went on previously when we look back and you know your local derby is Manchester City and that was you know only what 20 20 sort of years ago yeah it is amazing how uh you know time sort of changes everything and uh Obviously, the club went through numerous sort of relegations and uh, it's it's really nice now to see that there are some little buds of joy coming out that the, the club is making inroads into trying to move back to, you know, former glories. <clears throat> I, d I don't want to dwell too much on the negativity, especially because we've got so much positive um, positivity and positive topics to cover. But just on that, as, as a player who... I mean, let, let's let's have this right. You're a Stockport County legend. Let's let's not let's not beat around that that bush. Uh, so many fond memories. So many, um, you know, huge goals to look back on. Cup runs, you know, promotion, all, all this kind of stuff. When when you say you're, you're out of the English game, you're out of the Stockport County club um, actively, if you like, and you, you you look on the news and you look on the internet, see facts as Big Kev called it the other day, or, or whatever. Uh, and you see the club are slipping down the leagues and it's a relegation or they've lost again and this player's gone and that player's gone. How did that make you feel when when you were kind of witnessing all that from afar? Well, it's amazing that realistically, obviously, over here, nobody actually really knows that Stockport County was a league club. Uh, yeah. So it's quite difficult in that regards that, you know, realistically, they were playing, when we were involved, they were playing championship football. Yep. Now they're all intents and purposes not a um, not a football club, 
to to that degree, you know. So if we sort of look at it from where we left it, you know, you, you're playing championship football, you're competing very strongly at that level, you know, and everything else that came with that sort of is very easily taken for granted. But I think now when uh, supporters have gone through all of those ups and downs, they must appreciate so much more the ups where they yeah. were when and not take that for granted as they can't take for granted that there's going to be an immediate return back to the Football League. You know, uh, there are so many clubs now, previous Football League clubs, trying to get back into the Football League that it makes it harder and harder and harder just to stand still, really. You know, and it is very frustrating because you, you remember the good times, as all fans do, and it's frustrating that they seem so far away from that period or that time where... As we say, it was championship football, and your local uh, local game was Manchester City, not uh, w- what it is at this current moment in time. Yeah, no, I completely completely sympathise with you. Well, well, let's let's move on to more positive times, and I want to start way way back from right from the beginning, really, because um, you obviously had two spells at County, um, so I think we've got to start uh, at the beginning, so they say. Um, just talk us through how you first came about the club because um you're coming through uh, if i'm not mistaken you started playing down south initially originally so i'm guessing stockport county wasn't a club that sprung to mind when you initially mapped out your future as a footballer no you never really know what's around the corner i i uh, i was an apprentice at portsmouth and then got released but i played center back all my life up until that point and uh, I'd never actually played up front. And then I went to Cheltenham and started to play up front. And my very first season there, which was conference level, uh, ended with sort of me scoring 25 goals by February. And then wow. suddenly there was, yeah, there was a little bit more interest about potential uh, clubs taking. And then I went to... Um, Derby that were it wasn't Premier League then because it was Division One as it, as it was because that was pre uh, EPL. But I went there and uh, as I said, I'd only actually been playing up front for well a season and just a little bit. So so not even two seasons. And suddenly I was at a Premier League club as it was, and things didn't really work out there. And then there was an opportunity of actually just basically getting some first team experience and Stockport at that time were in the old fourth division and uh, were always sort of in many instances just about holding their end up to staying off the bottom of the fourth division Um, and in those days it was uh, re-election for for teams that were in the bottom, uh, bottom of the league. But it was a lovely, as I said, I had probably not the greatest experience at Derby. Things hadn't really worked out. And I suppose coming into uh, Stockport, it gave me a lovely an opportunity for me to, to build confidence. And also the club had a very family-orientated feel around it. Obviously, yeah. it didn't have the facilities that it has got now. Uh, but I remember when, obviously, the... 
the home end was actually didn't have a stand. It was just basically a brick wall. And there was, a, I think, a nightclub behind it that uh, generally I was, if you miss the target, you hit that, uh, you know. <laughs> and that's that's what sort of, and now you've got a magnificent, you know, 5,000 seat stand behind that. But I remember when it was absolutely open and uh, basically it was the car park. The car park was behind it and there was a six foot wall that had a couple of steps that fans used to <laughs> congregate on and stand behind. And I don't know whether, you know, there's obviously a, many fans that will remember that, but that is where, that, that's what I remember about my first, uh, you know, my first uh, term in uh, at, at Stockport. That was what the club was. And in many instances, the player base that were there were professional footballers, but there was no real sort of long-term aims for those professional footballers. Yeah. They were just trying to do the best that they could from from year to year and gain another contract. Um, I, I, I'm completely enthralled in hearing uh, of County in those days, and I, I want to pick your brains on that a little more in just a sec. But I just want to touch on something you said um, before that, when you've, you've gone from effective non-league to effective Premier League after less than a season and a half in that position. that That's a story that you're just not going to hear. You hear stories quite quite a lot, not not as often as I think we would like, but you hear stories quite a lot of players who go from, from non-league and they have the, the, the honeymoon dream, if you like, up to the up to the Prem. But you don't hear it all that often from players who've played less than two seasons in that position and they've gone from centre-half to centre-forward uh, and all of us, I mean, what goes through your mind when your boss or agent or whoever it was sits you down and says, there's a there's a Division One club, uh, they're interested in signing you. What, how, just talk us what happens there. So in those days, it was an agent. Uh, so we go back. So obviously nowadays it would be. There was a, there started to become a lot of, should we say, rumours of people that were observing or watching me perform from week to week at the conference level at Cheltenham and uh, then there started to be a little bit of talk around through the papers about potential teams that might have an interest. Uh, Newcastle United were at one stage uh, rumoured wow. around, around that uh, time as well as and then as I said it, it just came from a phone call really from the from the manager to say that they'd had contact with Derby County, uh, they want to take a look, and would you be interested in sort of, you know, going down, uh, taking a look at their facilities and training facilities and what have you, and uh, then it, and it realistically it came from there. So I went down, uh, had a look, did some training. Training went really well. Uh, in fact, we managed to, I think we were doing an 11v11 game and uh, obviously we did end up scoring in that 11v11 game. And then obviously they, Derby were interested in in taking it further and then that's exactly what happened. So uh, I signed a contract, uh, you know, with Derby and, and it, it, it probably happened, you know, and it happens very quickly. But it was very sort of roller coaster. So in one instance, you've been released by a football league club to be told that you're not quite ready, or you, you know. Yeah. And then, um, then suddenly you've got a lot of Division One clubs 
having an interest in you because you've changed position. And to be fair, the positional change was probably uh, something that I, I think without it, I would have never been able to actually have earned uh, the living that I did in the yeah. game because it just felt a lot more natural. But it was interesting because it had been muted at the uh, at Portsmouth about the chief scout did speak to me about had you ever thought about playing in a, as a centre forward? Further so forward, was, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't something that, and maybe it was that that gave us the sort of, well, that deeper thought having been released about sort of suddenly thinking, well, why don't we give it a go? You know. Uh, so, so you have this, you have this move, and it, it, I mean, it sounds unbelievable. It sounds, it sounds like you say, uh, not a roller coaster. Now, uh, one, one thing because we're doing this legend series at the moment, and we we speak to so many kind of former players from from this era and, and that era, and um, one name that comes up a lot is Danny Bagara. Now, he, you know, he's credited with with the kind of architecture if you like of, of modern day county you know the fact that it was his assistant dave jones that then went on to to progress the club further the fact that it was his signing jim gannon that's that's there now there's there's so much of that but it wasn't danny that brought you to the club i mean i think i'm right in saying you had time with danny but correct me if i'm wrong it was asia hartford before that's right danny so so you've seen that transition you've seen pre-danny and then during danny and then post danny just give us a if if you would just 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 run us through the, the differences, the, the experiences that, that, that those three kind of stages of the club's life went through. Well, I think when uh, obviously Asa brought us, so Asa obviously from a playing perspective had a you know a very very decent career, international footballer yeah. and what have you, and was going through trying to establish himself as a coach. Um, for some reason, it didn't really quite work out. Uh, and then Danny came in. So Danny had been working, uh, I think, at Sheffield United uh, prior to, to coming to Stockport. And I think this was his first real manager's role. I think at Sheffield United, he'd been working with some of the either reserves or younger teams rather than right. as first team manager. So I think this was Danny's first role. And the difference that I saw with Danny was that, and certainly for someone such as my position that realistically didn't really know the job as a centre forward, I think yeah. he then gave me that confidence to sort of actually build and also give some hints and tips about broadening my experience and my understanding of that position and playing that position in, you know, so therefore then he was the first coach that I would sort of say in some instances, not so much coach, but actually give you some advice and support allied to a little bit of coaching. Because up to that point, I had never been coached. I'd never really understood the position. I knew realistically there was an, an what I'd call a natural ability in mm. anticipation when the ball was in and around the 18-yard box. But again, that was a more natural yeah. feeling yeah. And, and, and understanding rather than uh, somebody getting hold of you and actually giving you some you know, useful advice that 
made sense when you were actually out there playing as well. So I think Danny brought that in. And also I think Danny started to bring in a little more younger, hungrier player rather than the probably older pro. There was a good mix, but mm. maybe Danny started to evolve that sort of younger, hunger type of player that had a little point to prove had been involved with other clubs that were probably at higher levels but had never really quite made the breakthrough. So yeah. Jim and players like that, Andy Priest and, and Kevin Francis, had all been in those sort of situations like myself where things hadn't quite worked for yeah. the, at the level that, that, that they were playing, but the teams that they were involved with were generally of a higher level than yeah. Stockport were. And I think... Danny sort of started to to build that sort of understanding and, and and looked for that sort of hungry, younger type of player to mix with the more experienced player. And I think over time that evolved stronger and stronger. Now, I'm probably on the first wave of yeah. that where yeah. realistically I started the process and never really yeah. finished it. Jim okay. come through the the whole process yeah and i sort of came back under and because dave was actually the youth coach at that time as well so i i'd had experience with with dave as well uh in relation to that he was at the at the football club as a youth coach and doing the youth team so therefore then but it wasn't until the, the, the five, six years later that I came back and obviously then played once again uh, for it. But that's what I feel that Danny started to bring. Danny started to bring that sort of hunger, the more hungry, up-and-coming type of player that could actually take the, take the club through. We just missed out, I think, in Danny's first season. We just missed out. We, we, we made the playoffs, but that was as far as we got. Uh, yeah. And we, we 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 sort of, I suppose, and I think that was the very, very first year of the playoffs. And we went to right. Chesterfield, from what I can remember, and basically we were out of the game before we were, you know, the first leg, I think we, were, we lost 4-0. So we were more or less, yeah. you know, finished with the, with, with the season through that uh, one, you know, that uh, playoff. And I think, again, the experience of players going through that and understanding it better held it in better esteem as they continue to retain involvement in the playoffs because it is a little bit more about experience and uh, you, you're a lot wiser for that experience when you go into that sort of situation again, you know, in, in preceding years. So so even after that season, you, you move on from Stockport and, I mean... you. <laughs> You, you don't have to be um, a football genius and study the game uh, to a huge extent to see you, you've got big followings, not just at Stockport County. I, I, I go on um, kind of South End reports and stuff, and they, they refer to Big Brett as the legend. And, you know, we had this great partnership up there. And that must be something that, that makes you really proud when you look back as a, as a retired footballer and you can think, I'm a legend at these clubs. You know, there are these clubs where if I go to that part of the world, I'm not going to have to buy a drink all night because there's always going to be someone who wants to come and see you, wants to speak to you. And that's that's a, re a real credit to you. You've gone on and played through the divisions, but you then come back to Stockport and you touched on Dave Jones there. Now, 
a few of those names you mentioned, Kevin Francis, Andy Priest, Mike Flynn, obviously Jim, we speak to every week. Um, they will regularly bring up the relationships between Danny Pagara, Dave Jones, John Sainty, and how each of them played a key role in in the development of the players, the progression of the club and the team, and so on and so forth. You come, you're, you're in that position now where you've seen the transition, like, like you mentioned there. You've seen Danny get the ball rolling, get the wheel spinning, call it what you like. You've then left, gone away, done great things. You've come back to the club, and I guess that 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 wheel is further down the road, whatever the saying is. But that the progression is is very apparent. Dave Jones has taken the helm. Um, the philosophy is continuing. What was it like when when you came back? There was a bigger expectation. There was a feeling that with the group of players that Dave had at his disposal, things were likely to start to happen. Obviously, uh, old, old faces, Jim was still there. Flinney was still there, all of those people. So you still had that nucleus of player base that had come through that system. So they'd achieved coming out of Division 3 into, you know, Division 2. And this was the one where, you realistically, Stockport had never been. They'd never been in the Championship. But I mm. did get the feeling that there was a school of thought or a feeling amongst not only the fans, but the player base, the, the group that was being sort of put together potentially had the ability to actually move into the higher areas of Division 2. And there was a big expectation that if things worked out that way, it was feasible and not sort of... Dream, yeah. yeah, yeah, feeling that no, that we're, 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 we're this is ridiculous, we're not that good. So, when I first came and I came on loan, and it, I came very early in the season, it was within, but I wasn't available. I remember I wasn't available for the early games, and there was this big expectation. I remember watching, watching, uh, I came and watched the pre season game, I think it was Birmingham. It might have been right. the one where Trevor Francis was moaning about the pitch, but I remember <laughs> watching. I, I remember watching the preseason game, and obviously there was a little bit of a buzz around the place that things were sort of. And obviously, there were players that had come in again. So Alan had come exactly the same sort of way of, you could say, myself and Jim and Flinny and players like that, where they'd been at bigger clubs. But things hadn't, for whatever reason, quite worked. You know, worked out. Yeah. And Alan had come from Newcastle, had, had joined, and 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 was starting to develop. You know, a little bit more of a reputation. There was there was you know a lot of talk around Alan's ability, and you know what potentially could happen uh, around that. And that was obviously one thing that struck me from 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 watching that. Alan did appear as, as though he was, you know, looking as though he was going in the right direction. And there was a hunger within him that he wanted to get back to where he'd come from. And I think that yeah. was probably very relevant. And I think they probably picked that up from uh, not only from Danny as well, because, again, if we go back to the starting point, talking about players with a bit of hunger that had been, I think Dave followed that very yeah. closely as well. 
Um, you know, and as I said, there was a lot of sort of, you know, expectation. We had Tom and we had Maz in the middle of midfield. And you could you just got the feeling again, both of those players had played at higher levels with higher clubs and still felt that they had a lot to prove in relation to their ability and what they were capable of doing. And I think that was relevant. Like Jonesy came in in goal. I think that was very relevant. Again, he came from Wolves. So it was another one that realistically hadn't been able to establish himself, but came into an, into an environment where he was given the opportunity to establish himself and, and move forward. So I do remember that there was a lot of expectation but I also remember that we probably made the worst start of any county yeah, yeah, yeah. in that first sort of five or six games. I don't think at that point, I don't think, I think it took us about five or six games to, to win the first one. Yeah, it did. You're right. Um, can I just ask you, just going back to that time, how did the conversation come about with with Dave? Because did, did he reach out to you? Did you speak to him when he said, Brett, look, we, we want you back. You know, I've worked with you before. I know you, like you say, maybe, maybe you played higher up and you want to get back to that level, whatever. Um, how, what happened there? How did, how did, how did the move back come about? Well, I suppose again, I was uh, in one of those downward spirals from the roller coaster. <laughs> I was on, I was on the downturn. Uh, so uh, I was at Sunderland at the time. Um, <laughs> So they were championship uh, playing. And also at that moment in time, there was a lot happening outside. We were just, uh, we were just had the our second child, or, you know, moving towards having our second child. We, I, I was still actually living in Formby, uh, right. you know, but commuting or had a place wow. in, in, in Durham. So some of those situations weren't ideal. As, and, and allied to that, I wasn't actually playing at that time, you know, from the first team perspective. So there was a lot going on, probably more so outside the game. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, from a playing perspective, I wasn't actually playing at that time for, for Sunderland either. So what I did feel is that I needed to get back closer to home. So that was one element of uh, which... Stockport was. It was a lot closer at that time than Sunderland. Uh, so there were elements of that. And also I needed to get back again playing because that was another thing as well. And I think the two sort of intertwined together. Uh, Stockport was a lot closer for family. And also Stockport gave me the opportunity to play first team football and re-establish myself again. So it's a no-brainer. Um, there, was, there was a name that you touched on. There was a name that you touched on a few moments ago, and I think we've I think we've teased listeners and viewers long enough. Now I have to ask you about that partnership, um, possibly uh, up there with maybe Kevin Francis and Andy Priest. In my opinion, maybe just suggesting maybe even superior to Kevin Francis and Andy Priest is the Alan Armstrong Brett Angel unbelievable strike force what what do you remember because you obviously you already remember which i wasn't expe expecting if i'm honest you, you to re relive what you knew of alan before you got playing together but when you started playing together just just talk us through what it was like playing with, with alan i think the greatest thing about partnerships are one that they complement each other and i think me and alan did complement each other so there were elements of the game 
that were strengths for me and potential weaknesses for Alan and vice versa. Alan, yeah. Alan will always tell you he did all of my running. And <laughs> to a degree, he was probably right in that respect. But I, I do feel that I did share the load as equally as I could. He was just better and quicker at getting into those areas. Uh, but I do think that we did complement each other very well. And with that, there became a better understanding of each other's game and what each other would do in certain situations, which is what you get as you tend to train and play together more, you know, more consistently. You start to understand their game as well as your own and what they're likely to be looking to do that can actually help and aid you. And I think that was probably the reason why we complement each, each other well and did so well in relation to the out, outcomes that came about. I think there was always a goal threat and think that we managed to convert a lot of opportunities into actual goals, Yeah, be that me or be that with, with Alan. So when your two strikers are re realistically getting to sort of like 40 goals between them, you know that you've got a bit of a platform that basically... Yeah. I think that's the good thing. When it's not self-reliant on one player, so opposition can cut out one, but it's very a yeah, lot more yeah. difficult to cut out two. And I think from that point of view, me and Alan complement each other very well where we were able to actually utilise those skill sets that we both had that were different yeah. to each other. And it made it very difficult for the opposition to actually nullify both, you know, in, in that regard. And I think then as we got more sort of regular playing together, like I said, I think it flowed from there. And I think the fans saw that, that, you know, realistically. And I think the opposition did as well. They knew that there was a big play. So when we played together, there wasn't just, well, if we stop him, we stop there. Main outcome. Yeah. If we stopped him, if it would stop me, then Alan was likely to turn up with with a goal and vice versa. But there were other players as well that obviously helped to that. But I think it was just a question that we were, you could say on the same wavelength, but I think it was one of those where, again, it was a little bit more natural as a partnership. I had one actually at uh, the same at um, South End as well with Ian Benjamin. He yeah. on he complimented me because a lot of his game, I wasn't that great at. And Alan was exactly yeah. the same. He was a lot better at holding the ball in and, and, and what have you. He was a lot better at getting down those little inside channels and opening the game up for us. And I never really had or never, that wasn't my forte, but it was Alan's forte. So, you know, and where probably when the ball came into the box, I was a little bit more of a natural predator than Alan was. Yeah, but then likewise, it, it sort of complemented each other, and 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 as I said, it was a joy to play with him, uh, and I found it very easy to play with Alan because you you sort of picked up what he was going to do uh, a lot easier, and obviously with playing so many games together, you you start to build that sort of confidence within each other and what each other is going to do. Is is it that honesty and that that kind kind of self recognition if you like that that propels a, a good a partnership will be all-round player because I mean let's be honest right as a striker I'm sure you will have met many strikers with their egos like this 
Okay, and and they, they want to believe that they're the best player around and they're the key to the team and so on and so forth. And that's fine. I think you have to have a little bit of swagger if you're a striker. But the fact that you can say, okay, look, there are parts of my game that he's better at. And because of that, I know that I'm going to work better with him rather than just try and take the mantle off each other to share that platform. That's what makes us a, such a successful partnership slash individual player. Yeah, I think that it, it comes, it goes hand in hand. I think that the, the problem, everything is revolving around goals because no matter whether you're playing the best you've ever played week in and week out, it'll always be the, well, if you're scoring, suddenly yeah. you're playing better anyway. Everybody believes yeah. that you're playing better because you've scored. But then there are moments within that where realistically, you're not playing that well, but you pop up with a goal and suddenly everything else is forgotten. So scoring consistently is part and parcel of, of realistically the, the, the thing that's going to grab everybody's attention and get that thing. I think the rest of it then comes from the experience of knowing you're going to go through spells where it's not going to quite go in for you and you're going to go through spells where basically whatever happens it finds its way in the net and you yeah. you add another goal but with scoring regularly you then build an expectation there's an expectation that you become to a certain degree a 20 goals a season man yeah yeah so therefore then there's an expectation well realistically we expect him and that's why we bring him into the team you know so therefore then that and i think as time wore on, I think with Alan, he began to get goals more, you know, a, a lot more regularly than possibly where he started with. So I yes. think his all-round game improved, but also his goal-scoring output also yeah. improved. Whereas probably you'd look at me and sort of many people would say, there's always been a goals output. But from an overall perspective, what does he bring to to, to, to the team, you know, in, in that regard? So, therefore, then, you know, but as a striker, I suppose it's the goals that people will sort of sort of, yeah, really, of course. Forward, as though, oh, he's done really well, rather than the all-round. And it's interesting because now that you're a coach, I can see all of the sort of, little things that realistically work and don't work and where you're sort of saying if they're fighting amongst each other for the kudos yeah it must be difficult but realistically yeah. the kudos and i'd always sort of say the kudos will come when the timing is right and for alan he got his move and and, and everything yeah. else because he deserved that but sometimes it happens when it needs to happen rather than there are, you know, there are deficiencies in your game that realistically are going to be found out potentially at some point if you go too quick, too, too soon type thing. Were you, were you good friends with Alan off the pitch? I, I always got the impression that you were. Well, I think from, from that point of view, we understood each other. I wouldn't say we were, uh, you know, meals and wives and all of that. But from a from a playing perspective, I understood Alan, and I think Alan understood me as well in that regards. That he, he respected what we brought to the to, to the group, and yeah. and um, and what we what I tried to do or, or tried to support him in relation to 
you know, to, to again, giving them little words of wisdom of, 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 of yeah. what to do and, and, and when to do it, that Danny probably, because realistically, I was probably the same age when I first came as, as Alan was when yeah, we yeah, were playing together. You know, it was that early 20s, you know, and uh, everything else. So, you know, so, yeah, as I said, I think it was just a, it was they don't come around that that often but i think it was a partnership that was right for for, for both of us you know for, um, from from that point of view when when, when you mention it's goals that that are remembered um uh, you know it's goals that people speak of and everything else you, you're right is there any which goals if you like which goals stick out for you i mean that i can think of a few but uh don't let me take this mantle when when you think back to your spell at county with alan without alan just speaking on a Brett Angel front, which goals are the ones that you're going to sit down by the fireplace and tell the kids about? I think, I, look, I, uh, I come back. I think the the, the run in the uh, in the in the League Cup was absolutely enormous. You know, it gave us so much pleasure playing and you know, supporting. It was just such a great you know feeling. You know, around that, so all of the goals that were scored during during that that run always come yeah. back to mind in relation to that. Obviously, I think that it'll always be the Chesterfield goal that actually brought the you know championship football. And then when we were in the championship, I'll always forget and and I'll always remember the Manchester City derby when we're three 0 up within twenty five minutes. And in essence, we're the better team and they know we're the better team and <laughs> they can't deal with it and everything else. And, you know, and I'm sure that will stick in your mind and every county yep. fan that came to that game. And it's like utopia, isn't it? You know, suddenly you go, let pinch pinch me because we are 3-0 up within 25 minutes against Manchester City. It shouldn't happen. You know, and I think that probably sort of epitomised where that where we were in relation to that was the first year back in um, back in well the first year in the championship. I think we were in the sort of top eight pushing up, and City I think were then looking to try and stay in the championship, which unfortunately they didn't manage to do. But you know I, I think that's yes they did get their own back when at Main Road, and that had its own game because I, I remember playing in goal in that one. So. Uh, you know, and I also remember, and it's funny, I remember Aaron's first goal, and I'll never ever forget his face when he recognized he actually scored Aaron Wilbraham. When he yeah. actually recognized that was his first goal, and he actually recognized, uh, and I'll always remember his face when he recognized he'd actually scored. It was, wow. yeah, it was like it was us. like delayed, it was like a delayed reaction, and then suddenly his face lit up. Yeah, but it, it was almost like uh, again, what what's going what's on happened? here? Yeah, what what has <laughs> happened? Yes, you have just scored. Uh, that must be amazing. It, it didn't really go far because I think it was a it was a consolation. But uh, yeah, and I think those those are the goals that the, the moments that stick with you because again they they were big moments with it with the club. And I think there were big moments all the way through for me personally to, to help and support the club 
from you know moving it moving it further forward in, into what it was uh you know yeah. as i say and, and having full houses there you know 10 10,000 i think was full house 11,000 and it was absolutely and i remember that you know i think after city fans after you know half an hour decided that they weren't staying <laughs> around for it but no, you know no <laughs> yeah uh, what a shame uh, so i don't i don't want to keep you uh, i don't want to keep you for too long um, Brett, I, I know that we've gone over the, the agreed time frame. As I find myself saying a lot at the moment, but um, I can't, I can't end this. We just, just talking about how when it came towards the end of your county career, you, you saw, you saw so many of the good times. In fact, you were key to the good times. Um, just your overall memories of of the club and how they sit within you and your heart and your feelings these days. Because you're on the other side of the world now. You live a different life now. You're still involved in sport, but you know, the, 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 the club is is part of your history, if you like, although you're obviously always welcome back with open arms. Where do they sit in, in within you? When you think of Stockport County, what, what comes to mind? What 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 keeps you going? Well, it's the good times. That's what I'm sort of saying. It's the times where I sort of look back, and, and, and this is the time for sort of reminiscing, and you look back and you sort of feel like, realistically, and, you know, obviously... Stockport and Southend, where you're talking about supposedly, you know, you've 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 attained legendary status. It's just so frustrating that both of those uh, clubs were in championship clubs when I left them, and it's so frustrating that the the the, the good times have not been able to be even. You know, both clubs are going through you know, real hard times where they're probably going back to where they were. You know, in many yeah. instances, when we turn full circle, the Stockport were a, a club that was struggling to hold its uh, football league status when I first joined it. And then we were, you know, championship status. And Southend had always been a lower league uh, level club. And, you know, we moved it into, uh, again, exactly the same thing where the player base had a hunger and a desire to want to improve and, and move forward. And most of those players as well come into uh, from higher level clubs at one stage, yeah. but needed first team football. And so Stockport will always be so strong in my emotions and, and my feelings for, for, for the game, you know, always have been, it, no and always will be because of the experiences that we had. You know, it's such a great family club, but it was a club that was moving into areas that it shouldn't have been because realistically it never had the right to be dealing with with the teams that it was playing against week in and week out because it was Stockport County. And it was great to see the fan base. When I first joined it, the fan base was a couple of thousand and we were having sort of realistically 8,000 watching you know, so it, it drawn, and it's interesting that, as I say, as generations of fans come, come and go, there's going to be two generations that don't even really understand yeah. that we were at championship level, and that's mm. what you know, not so much disappoints. It's just so frustrating that all of the work that had gone in to realistically get it to that point now as 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 seen but then that's what happens you know sometimes you have that sort of feeling that you go back to what you were 
yeah. you know, you've you've had your good times and you go back to to realistically the level that you were really came from. Uh, but it was such it's such a shame that you know that the club sort of you know even dropped even further you know right out and uh, you know and have been in the wilderness so to speak but hopefully now there's as i said there's there's signs that the the, the wilderness has, has, has departed and and that we can get ideally back to football league status uh you know and uh, from there back to hopefully um where where we left off so to speak and yeah. then the the new generation of fans can start talking about the good times do you remember when we went and had that tremendous league cup run and we got yeah. promoted and everything else and i'm sure like yourself those are always in the memory but you hanker for those times again or, or or just really some of the good times that realistically you can tell your kids and sort of say i was there you know, yeah. I was there when that happened and I was there when that happened and, and everything else. And it's the same as a player. You know, I, I'm very proud to, to have actually supported the club and given opportunity for the club to, to prosper and, and, and to move forward. And, and that will always stay with me, regardless of where we are in the world. And that's the same, you know, and that's all I want is that, you know, that you fans can experience the good times and tell your children about the good times and the travels that you've had throughout and uh, you know and 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 they stick in the memory uh, just finally um brett uh, do, do you have any plans post covid or corona we we would love to have you back for it maybe i don't know if you get in the first team these days no offense but uh, the, the, you know we've got a pretty good squad at the moment but just just to have you back uh, just for a, a game or two welcome you back and uh, and catch a drink after the game or something. Do you have any plans to come back over? In the near future, not at this current moment in time. But rest assured, look, keeping touch because, as I said, if I, if I do, I would like to uh, you know visit again and 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 see and and everything about the club and what have you. So it's certainly uh, nothing immediate, but 